now that I'm looking again through a different lens, I'm noticing how deep rooted it is into just misunderstandings and how much we put in our self-worth into our sexuality with other people as well. You know, especially with men when they think that like performance is everything, you know, it's a whole dick measuring contest. It's not, it's not like women have a vagina yeah. measuring contest. Like we yeah, exactly. Women, exactly. Right. So yeah. by doing that, I think that's a huge thing. And then I think men have been recently like, this is all that matters to us. Like women are giving us so much pressure to perform. And it's like, no, other men in power have instilled that through society to make that a thing. And then women have just participated in a, like being an accomplice to that mentality. You know, even like your urinals are, are, are lined up next to each other. You know, if you think of it that way, how much is a man's life dependent on always needing to win the competition? And then how much is it a woman's role to always seek intimacy, seek collaboration, you know, seek relationships? And, and why does that always, why do those two butt heads? Naturally, it's because, well, what, what does the man compete in intimacy? That's not a thing to compete in. Hello and welcome back to the Miss Amanda Chen Show. If you've been following this podcast, you know I have a series called The 100 Masked Men, where I investigate how our sexuality affects our self-worth through the interactions of others. I'm about a third of the way there now and spoke about the subject as a special guest with Dwight Heck on his podcast, Give a Heck. We uncover a whole bunch of amazing things on this episode, including my origin story that got me to become who I am today dealing with the expectations of what he calls the committee of they, uncovering the gender divide put onto us from society, and how that ultimately affects both how we identify ourselves and how we interact with others. Today's episode, I want to talk about my personal approach to cultivating self-worth and putting it into practice. So here's what I've experienced. With the wave of big dick energy and pussy power, there's been a lot of focus on our self-worth based on our sexual performance. I saw this really cool quote that said, sex is meant to be a co-creative experience, not a performance. A performance is a show, something you present to someone else. It isn't the real you. So how can it be a reflection of your self-worth? I think the most interesting thing is the blame that is shifting around, that other people you are trying to impress are not satisfied with what you are presenting. But you've never once just tried to be yourself, which is actually the most incredible thing about you. And let's just say that you did perform and you perform well. Now you have to maintain that performance that you set up for yourself, something you didn't even really want to be recognized for. I'm pretty sure that relationship won't last if you're constantly feeling like you have to measure up to an impossible standard that you put on yourself. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about using your sexuality to cultivate self-worth and put it into practice. Lean into your authentic self and accept every part of it, not just the parts that you think are strong. This week, we spoke to a men's coach that said a lot of men thought it was insane to open up to a woman about their problems because the whole point of being the man is to take care of things. And we spoke to another man who advises on public speaking, who picks and chooses how he delivers information based on his assumption of what the other person can take. If you ask me, that's just an elaborate way to excuse lying to people because you can't handle the truth. Self-worth is about the lesson you can learn from the interactions of others, 
not about what you can do as a way to prove yourself to others. Listen to that again. Every interaction should be a reflection of you, not a measurement of how well you can follow the expectation. You'll hear some of this on my interview with Dwight on the idea that although I presented things I was good at or interested in, others would still decide my fate and choose another direction for me. And I'd follow that, thinking that their opinion was more important than mine, or that because they didn't believe in my ideas, it must mean that I was incorrect in what I thought. Not anymore. This time, I approached every moment with curiosity, trying to find the message I was meant to receive in this interaction. What is the universe testing me with this person's interaction with me today? Things are a bit different here. I'm living in a beach town in Mexico with not a lot of clothing and a dark tan. It was only a matter of time I'd run into some trouble. And here's an obvious example. Someone comes over to me and says he finds me beautiful and just had to tell me. I react lazily, maybe with a smile, acknowledging the compliment, showing kindness, gratitude, and grace. But what happens next gets interesting. I thought of how some men might elaborate after that and say, I must know that I'm beautiful. Does that then change the intention behind the compliment? Or does that just say he was dissatisfied with my reaction and wanted me to be like most girls? Say, no, oh my God, I'm not. So he has more reason to be the one to reinforce that only he believes I'm beautiful, that no one else does, not even me. Flip that message around and say, you are incredibly beautiful and you fucking know it. And I don't mean to come off conceited before you get at me by saying, oh, it's not fair, Amanda. You're just so pretty. No, what I mean by understanding how beautiful you are, celebrate every part of you from your creative mind and your kind heart to how irritable you are in the morning without coffee. Every single part combined makes you this beautiful human and you need to know it. When things are certain in the world, then others will know it to be true without question, like the sky is blue. When we spend our lives trying to fulfill another person's expectations that we can't define, we will forever be confused. There's no certainty in gaining the approval of others because there will forever be something for you to improve on based on the sheer fact that you can't know exactly what they are thinking of you and what those expectations are. You can't read minds. But there's a power in not being what people expect from you. Beyond the happiness of just being your true authentic self, you can literally create anything you want out of this world. Yeah, we have a we have a problem in our society where people can't uh, just be open. And I love the fact that I never knew that about you, you know, body noise, is that what you called it? Yeah. <laughs> I think that I think that's amazing. And then taking that and being able to review sex toys, <laughs> that's great. I smile and chuckle about it because I, I'm, I'm proud of you for doing that. Like, you know, how many people would think of doing that? Hey, let's go buy a sex toy, unpackage it, and give a review for it, and then get yeah. work out of it to boot. I get it. It's terrifying to be yourself because we've been conditioned to follow orders. We all want to be liked and accepted, but what's the point if you're not being true to yourself? How can you expect others to value your self-worth if you don't even give it to yourself first? I want to end with this last concept I have about gatekeepers. We need to realize that the things we want have gates, windows, doors, opportunities, whatever you want to call it. And usually someone has to open that gate for you because we are social beings living in a material world. 
but we can't let the people in front of the gate be in charge of our lives and tell us what we can or cannot have. Realize that whatever is behind the gate will be there for you, but you might have to go through a couple gatekeepers before that gate opens. What I mean by that is that the gatekeeper might resign from their post or go on a lunch break or get fired and a new gatekeeper might open that gate for you. Know the difference between wanting something for yourself and following a direction given from someone else and you'll notice how much easier and faster those gates start to open. Um, I know you're a bold, courageous, fearless leader that never accepts the first no as the final answer. What led you to this resolve? So I never really thought of no as an exercise of no, like you can't do this. Um, I thought it was more of a challenge of this is a gatekeeper that you cannot enter this gate, but there's more gates to go through. And that helped me uh, understand boundaries better because maybe I want to do something with a person, you know, if we want to talk about consent and that person says, no, that's okay with that person. So find another gate, find a different gatekeeper, different gate. Um, I think what people end up doing is putting everything into that one gatekeeper and confirming that the entire gate is closed just because of the one gatekeeper. And that's not true. You just have to find a new gatekeeper. If you haven't already, go check out my interview with Dwight Heck on his podcast, Give a Heck. All the links are in the episode description and make sure to subscribe to the show as I'll be dropping some more interviews of the 100 Masked Men next Wednesday. Bye for now.